we don't need to put this on the podcast, but I am writing about how much I hate Dwight James currently. And oh, good. Which is funny that he blocked you on Twitter. We hedge. I've already blocked that motherfucker. So yeah, he can see. He can see me. He can try and see me when I'm famous, like 80 years from now. He blocked my my old Twitter handle and my new Twitter handle. Well, it isn't like very much. So I'm sure he recognized it was you. This motherfucker again. <laughs> yeah, probably. Terry, nice shirt. Thank you. You made this shirt for us. I did. Yeah. That's from the logo, a, a one-time used logo in like 1972. Was it one time for that season or is it one time for that game? No, like one game. One game. What JP yeah. is referring to is, it, it's a, would you call this like a block lettering, JP? Yeah, it's kind of like a negative space lettering. A weird font. And if you've listened to this podcast uh, so far, uh, first, thank you. Thank you for doing that. We appreciate yeah, it. Uh, the numbers, do. the listenership numbers, you know, we're not going gangbusters, but you know, it is uh, seeing tens of listeners. It really, it really is inspiring and helpful and gets us, you know, back to re recording, you know, every few weeks. This It will get more <laughs> consistent as we get back into the academic year and sports are, you know, more uh, happening more consistently. But um, if you are listening and you've listened to multiple episodes, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate you. Do us a favor and uh, share the pod with a friend. Give Give us five stars, write a review. Tell us which of the three of us you like best. I know it won't be me. And really fun if you listen to the belligerent babes takeover, tell us which one of the babes you like the best. That'll get that'll get really fun. Uh, that was a great time. And yeah, recording that in JP's basement. And with saying that, God, it's great to see you guys on Zoom again here, but it was so fucking great to see you two in person. God damn it. I can't say it enough. It was so nice to see you guys. How'd the rest of the weekend go? It was good. It was, it, oh, it, it went great. You know, we got to see uh, you, JP, for a couple of nights. It took all of 20 minutes for Benny to lose his wallet, <laughs> which threw a wrench into it, but we got around it, you know. Yep. We're adaptable dudes, so that was... Uh, but hold was on, so I like the realization when Benny realized he didn't have his wallet... And it was like, well, I can make this work. I'll just have to go to the bank. And it was like, what are you going to do when you get to the bank? Just pronounce, hi, I I am Benjamin Weehage. I do declare I, I am Ben Weehage. <laughs> <laughs> there is a status update on the wall. It was found on a Portland TriMet bus. Uh, and I had a friend go and get it and it's being shipped to me right now. Oh, so you're nice. getting the physical wallet back. Yeah, my <laughs> I was in a real big idiot and left my social security number or card in the wallet, which was still in there when that was found. The, I don't know, two or three or $400 in cash that I had was not in the wallet, uh, but everything else was. So that's uh, that's good. Yeah, it's win. Pretty, pretty standard stuff. Yeah. Well, what's worth more, your identity or the $400? <laughs> <laughs> uh i'm gonna go with my identity but it's close <laughs> if, if you steal if you steal benny's identity you have to assume wearing a 16 pound vest every time you mow the lawn <laughs> even in 110 degree heat like you're yes. seeing in the pacific northwest right now holy shit how are you guys doing benny i'm really happy that the fan in the background isn't messing with the audio because i it would kill me to ask you to turn it off <laughs> i know it's about 52 degrees in jp's basement right now but it is a heat wave like no other out in your guys' neck of the woods. How are, how, how are you guys surviving? It's uh, the heat wave's over. So it's actually nice and comfortable inside now. But yeah, like I, the house that I live in does not have air conditioning. So it got up to, I think, 96 was the highest that it got. <laughs> inside the house so it sucked but i was i was more worried about the dogs than than anything else i just sweated it out uh it was a pretty hot three days but glad to have the temperatures back down in the normal range now. in double digits how did you sleep so i actually came up with a d i didn't come up with it I did you did you fill the did you fill the weighted vest with ice packs <laughs> that would have been a good idea <laughs> No, I actually had a five-gallon bucket that I filled with ice and drilled holes in and then put a fan on the top that blew the air through the ice, out the holes, and it worked. It was a DIY air conditioning unit. It worked until the ice melted, which was that, pretty quick. Does that take more energy than just a general like air conditioning unit? Dude, ACs are expensive. Well, that's true. Yeah. It was the most redneck air conditioning unit I've ever well, heard he, of. In my he time. just lost $400 from losing his wallet, JP. He doesn't have the walking around money for an AC unit. You, you know, I have to say, I have a lot of self-respect, but I will even say that that is the most Ben Weehage thing 
that <laughs> I may have ever done. Oh my God. I love that so much. Well, here's hoping that whoever walked away with the cash from your wallet got themselves a nice AC unit. And I sure hope survived. So. I would like to hear that. Yeah. You're um, paying it forward. Way to go, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks. Um, well, we're back for uh, another episode. Uh, we had a great party episode in JP's basement with the takeover episode last week. Shout out again to Annie Bertram, Kelsey Showalter, and Stephanie Peters. No last name joke this time. You know, we're moving on. <laughs> uh, and that, that was a great time. And it is the beginning of yet another episode. And we're losing Ben for a second. But JP, it's uh, you and me. And what we normally do at the beginning of the episode is share what uh, type of beverage we're enjoying. And I feel like Ben just ran out to go get a drink because he forgot that he needed to have one. Uh, so we'll start with you, Jay. Uh, what kind of uh, beer are you enjoying this evening? Would you be surprised if I told you it's another double IPA? No, you okay, drink good. like a madman. Yeah, Not like so, a lot, but you a thing from Portland <laughs> that people need to know. It's our first night there. We surprise a super secret producer Iskinder for his birthday. We Hedge loses his wallet, but we still go to the bars and we drink too much. And we decide to end the night at JP's house. We're in the basement. <laughs> it's just bad. We've we've had too many drinks. <laughs> we've poisoned ourselves, you know, to a point where we all need to go to bed. JP says one more beer and it's the fucking cinnamon toast crunch thick cake beer from Great Notion. We <laughs> all have a whole, you know, 20 ounce pounder of it. And I think that's the beer that put me on my ass for the rest of the weekend. I was hurting so hard the next day. That that was like an 11% beer at like 1 a.m. <laughs> After Wild. a lot of not 11% beers, it, it, it literally ruined the night. So fuck you, but also thank you because it's, it's <laughs> beer and I appreciate it. I was spinning in my bed for the first time since I probably was in Corvallis. <laughs> right. That's why we had a, a case of Bud Light delivered the next day. <laughs> like, we need to hydrate. We need the opposite. We don't do anything in between Great Notion and Bud Light. We just do the, the two extremes. Um, so JP, you're drinking another double IPA tonight. Is it a Great Notion IPA? or is It, it is somewhere? not. It is not. It is a no use for smugglers double IPA from Brick and Feather Brewery. And I believe they're located in Turner Falls, Massachusetts. Okay. So wait, did I go the wrong direction this time? Which you direction have, was I, I going? I feel like you're just going all over the place because you did Alaska the first episode. Oh you yeah, did so Minnesota, I was going east. another episode. Yeah, but I don't know where you, what did you do episode three? I, can't I think remember. another another. Oh no, Pennsylvania. Another, okay, yeah. So you're on the where are you going east from Massachusetts? Are you going to drink a Guinness next episode? I should just drink a Guinness <laughs> and get it over with and exactly. enjoy it. Absolutely. Will you say the name of the brewery one more time so our listeners can know to Yeah, Brick and Feather Brewery. Brick and Feather Brewery. It's a microbrewery in Turner Falls, Massachusetts. Shout out to Turner. If you're listening in Turner Falls, I don't know how, but uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> one of us is enjoying your, your beer right now. Is it good, JP? Yeah, it's delicious. I think I always rate things a 4.2 on Untapped out of 5, and that's what I gave this one. Yeah. It's a solid B. You know, you can't get, you know. That's like better than my GPA. So I think it's better than all of our GPAs. We've been very transparent on how long it took us to get through Oregon State University collectively on this (laughs) podcast. I don't think any of our listeners are like, these guys were honor students. Um, I had I had one semester on the Dean's (laughs) List or one one term on the Dean's List. I had one term with the um, president's scholarship or something. (laughs) Nice. I had it, one term where I got kicked out and then had to come back. <laughs> I had a term where I almost got kicked out. <laughs> nice. What, what, what do we call the kick out uh, honors? The um, study abroad program. Study, study abroad at <laughs> LBCC. <laughs> You're going to an exotic location called Albany. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a uh, Benjamin Wehage. You are here. You are wearing a men's basketball Pac-12 championship T-shirt. Yeah, I am, and which looks uh, sweet. Thank you. Uh, I'm I'm drinking a Great Notion, part of the leftover uh, bundle that that we had from the weekend, the yeah. Aguas Frescas. Right, and it is delicious. Yeah, um, leftover because I love you, buddy. Yeah, thank it you. It's so great to see you. So I had to send you home with that. 
Yeah, it was a, it was a great parting gift. Uh, I, would I was rank- also boarding a plane and couldn't take it with me, but <laughs> I also, I, I do actually love you and was happy. It was happy to impart those to you. Well, yeah, it's worth the, the coffee that we grabbed right before you hopped on the plane. Yeah, that was a hell of a coffee. It was very good coffee. I, I uh, think we, we need to uh, save the details of said coffee for when we eventually have a Patreon for belligerent beeves and we have to have, you know, secret content just for our for our patrons agreed it was a great coffee no more will be said about the coffee you can use your imaginations it was just great coffee jp doesn't even know what we're talking about he's gonna have to become a patron of his own podcast to figure it out (laughs) (laughs) so the the aguas frescas what what is that beer like benny uh it's it's good i i don't it's like sweet and kind of uh has it's berry y um Which normally I don't. You're like a like sommelier of beers, buddy. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's uh it's very good. I would give it a solid four point five. Oh, four point five. Wow, that's, like a, yeah. that's a nice generous on Untapped. Are you on Untapped, yeah. Benny? I am not. So my my ratings are just a, a guesstimate. But I do have to say that Ninkasi, you waited too long. This is the first oh, episode I'm going uh, outside of Ninkasi. Right. Well, I, I was gonna say this is a. You're, you're, yeah, you're outside of Nikasi. I was going to introduce us as, uh, you know, the Belligerent Beeves podcast, a podcast dedicated to beer, friendship, Oregon State sports, and a podcast that may or may not be sponsored by Ninkasi Brewing Company. Not yet. We're not shutting down negotiations, but no. we we opened an exclusive window for Ninkasi. And outside of liking a tweet or two, they, they, uh, they didn't bite. So... Ninkasi, if you're listening, you still have a chance, but this is more or less a flex to Ninkasi. So the ball's in your court. Yeah. We are capable. Benny is capable of drinking more than just Ninkasi. Maybe they saw we called ourselves the Bebes and the Bebes. Yeah, and they decided, Maybe. no, not happen. <laughs> I, I really can't wait until we get a cease and desist letter from FXX for taking Babes from Schitt's Creek. Um, that, that'll, that's, that's another long-term podcast goal. Add that to the list, JP. Um, <laughs> I am Terry Horseman. I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It was 100 degrees early in June, and I thought, oh, my God, this is miserable. And then it got to 120 degrees where you guys live, so I'm not going to complain about anything. Uh, but now it's a balmy 84, and I'm not drinking a Ninkasi. I'm not drinking a Great Notion. I'm not drinking an aggressively strong margarita mixed by an ex-girlfriend. I'm having (laughs) a very delicious, refreshing grapefruit lonely blonde from Fulton Brewing Company here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. They have a great tap room in the shadow of Target Field. I've probably taken you both there when you've been around, but you know, we kind of, I don't really... (laughs) I don't know if any of us really remember the itinerary of <laughs> any of those uh, <laughs> Minneapolis trips. Uh, usually the memories that stick out from those times is JP sending our the rap songs we recorded in 2008 to our Uber drivers and telling them that we're about to blow up <laughs> and dude takes a screenshot of the GPS. But anyway, Grapefruit Lonely Blonde, a great summer beer. If you're tuning in from the Minneapolis area, you're probably familiar, but if you're not yet, it's just a grapefruit infused version of their, you know, locally famous Lonely Blonde, and it's lovely. Is it better than an 11-year-old Bud Light? Yes. Good. It's not sure? better It's not better for content than an 11-year-old Bud Light. <laughs> and as we've established, we are a golf podcast. <laughs> so we're partially a golf <laughs> podcast. We don't have any Oregon State golf news to get into tonight, but this is a great segue. JP, you found a little something in your golf bag. Uh, you tweeted about it from the Belligerent Bees, a.k.a. the Bebes account. And it was a, a really great journey. And why don't you uh, tell us more about it and fill in any listeners who uh, weren't following along on Twitter? Yeah, it was pretty late at night. So I totally get it if you weren't following along. But uh, what happened was we discovered my old golf bag and we're digging through to find, you know, gloves, balls, things that we can actually take to the course the next day. Um, this is at my family cabin. And no one had touched this golf bag for a decade. And while digging through, my dad came and showed me that he had found a Bud Light. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, a can empty, right? Like I must have left that in there last time we did a round at Tristing. No, it was full. And it was actually expired in April of 2010. 
So, well, as a joke, I put it up on Twitter saying, should I drink this? Thinking that people would literally be like, no, man, you'll Why die. would you think Twitter would be reasonable <laughs> here? Uh, there are followers. I just figured, you know, they were, they had some common sense, but I think they did. They just wanted me to, to die. listening to this podcast. They don't have common sense. <laughs> <laughs> so it was voted heavily in favor of me drinking it. So I put it in the fridge, cooled it off. It was quite warm when we found it. I cracked it open, and in my surprise, it had a nice fizz. It poured a great head. I'm like, maybe this stuff's just indestructible. It's like the cockroach of beer. And then I drank it, and it was awful. It was really bad. Uh, the best way to describe it is like pear juice that has gone bad. That I don't know that I've ever drank good pear juice. I don't even like pears. <laughs> so... <laughs> So it could it could have been good pear juice, but to you it was bad. <laughs> Did you drink the whole thing? No, I drank half of it, and I was like, "No, this is gonna make my insides bleed." So yeah. I so so you haven't golfed since pre twenty ten. Then is what this? Well, is. I have. I got a and new golf fun. bag. Then so where where has this golf where has this I, golf bag been in storage? Like where actually is it? It may, it, so it probably went from Corvallis to Portland to the Bay Area to a cabin in the mountains for the last year. And no one touched it that entire time. Right. And then there's a family outing. So there's like, oh, we have this extra golf bag. There might Let's be grab what we can from it. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Shout out to Jim Bertram for finding it and bringing it to you and make that's that. I feel like even though like you've been of drinking age for a long time, that's like a, when like your parent catches you, it's like the cigarette thing where it's like, all right, you, you want to do this. All right. You're going to smoke the whole pack or you're going <laughs> to, I'm going to sit here and watch you drink the whole case. Like your dad should have been, I'm going to sit here and watch you drink this entire 12 year old. Oh no. He, he drank it with me. Salted. Did he, did he have yeah, the other half? No, he drank. A, a little bit though. Yeah. <laughs> well, shout out to Jimbo Bertram. That's uh that's king shit. Um, <laughs> I told you, I, we told everyone we are a golf podcast and that is, uh, you know, a, uh, that applies to more than just the Oregon state golf team. It's probably the most, uh, relevant golf adjacent achievement. Any of us have, uh, <laughs> ever, ever come across. So shout out to you. JP. <laughs> I don't understand why you thought Twitter would tell you to do anything other than the more entertaining option, but I'm happy <laughs> that you drink it and that you can tell us that if you have Bud Light, don't let it age for 12 years. Yeah, definitely. Definitely don't. Definitely and drink if you it right do, away. It's not going to kill you. You will I survive. Yeah. <laughs> At least half. Don't drink more than half and you'll survive. <laughs> we hedge. I left. In addition to those great notions, there were some Bud Lights. Are those still in your car? Leave them in uh, there for 11 years. <laughs> <laughs> or did you get them out? Did you dump them out? Have you drank them? What's the uh, I No, I, I had them uh, in my fridge and my girlfriend's brother had come over and, and he crushed them. So right. yeah, they will not be aging for 11 years. All right. I'm glad they went to good use before anyone got hurt. We did on Twitter start the 11-year-old Bud Light golf bag challenge, which um, listener and follower Nate Edwards has agreed to participate in. He says he's had a Bud Light in his golf bag for almost a year at this point. So he says he might as well try for 11. So Nate, more power to you. Let's do it. You'll be the first one to accomplish the challenge since uh, on, on since June thirtieth, two thousand thirty-one, when we've become <laughs> the most listened to podcast on the internet. <laughs> Nate, Nate, you can come. On, you can come on the show and drink your eleven. Do it live. Right live. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Hey, we talked about setting long-term goals. Like it starts with getting to episode five. It starts with getting to hundred Twitter followers, which you do. It starts with doing a live show in <laughs> Purdue. It keeps going with an 11 year old Bud Light challenge when we're all in our, you know, mid to late forties. <laughs> all right. We're making moves out here, Nate. And I'm glad you're along for the ride. Shout out to Nate Edwards. Shout out to Nate. Hopefully there's some nice, uh, nice rounds out on the links from, from now until then. The next note here, we eclipsed hundred followers on Twitter. Fuck. Yeah. JP, awesome. looks, that is awesome. Chop them. You know, chop, yeah. Chop them, chop them to you all. Uh, thanks for following. It's, it's kind of a, it's a fun account. I think it's, we had, have you sent a tweet from it yet? Or is it just JP and I? 
<laughs> I've not sent a tweet from it. I like the tweets and uh, I will retweet the tweets. We can give you access I to should, it. Yeah, you should give me access to it. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I want to ruin <laughs> Maybe, our, maybe our we shouldn't give you access to it. We should <laughs> yeah. give it access to like a, a secret listener and then there'll be like really random stuff and we'll have to figure out who sends it. Um, You can you can usually decipher if you know us well at all, like you, you can uh, tell if it's JP or I, but some of you- Mine usually be, has capitals. Might be new. <laughs> They're in all caps because I'm yelling. Which will be on JP's tombstone when when he dies from drinking a twelve year old Bud Light <laughs> on June thirtieth, two thousand thirty one. So yeah, no, thank you all for like that helps a lot. Thank you all who retweet. You know, it's it's hard. There's too many podcasts in the world. There's like a hundred podcasts at least, I think, and there's at least like ten of them are probably about Oregon State, and all of them have more sources and insiders and sense than we do. We're just here to have a good fucking time, and everyone, like we said at the top of the show who listened and shared it with a friend uh following on twitter helps a lot too so thank you all cheers to you guys let's do a toast cheers to everyone who's followed on twitter cheers now we're gonna have to do another toast another super celebratory toast guys it's 9 25 p.m in the midwest right now it's 7 25 p.m pacific time we are mere hours away from it being midnight and it being july 1st 2021, which means fuck Larry Scott. Larry Scott is the fuck out. Yes, <laughs> Larry, you suck and you know it. JP, yes. I want thunderbolts. I want fireworks. I want bells. I want that weird siren. When you're in post, add every celebratory noise that exists <laughs> on the internet to this part of the show. I'm sure my neighbors in my apartment are like, what the fuck is this dude yelling about? It's because Larry Scott's not commissioner of the Pac-12 anymore. We finally fucking made it. If you're listening to this, he's gone. He's out. He's FOH'd. Fuck yeah, you guys. This fucking dick. I'm not going to say he's, you know, Donald Trump level of, you know, idiocy and tyranny and all this shit, but God damn it. I'm so glad he's gone. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a new day. We're going to talk a lot about a lot of, you know, key small victories for Oregon state uh, later on in the show, but I feel like this is a, this is a victory for the conference. It's a victory for college sports fans everywhere. It's a victory for America. It's a victory for the world. Larry, <laughs> I mean this sincerely. Suck shit. Yeah. Chop you, Larry. You motherfucker. <laughs> and normally, so I'm the one who works for a creative writing program and teach teaches writing, but Benny, I believe you yes. have prepared some poetry for us on this very topic. Yes, you should prepare yourself, Terry, because this is about to be the best poem you have ever heard. I can't wait to use this as an example for my students. So when I, so when I, please do. When I, when I realized what today was and what the significance of Larry Scott being gone was, um, I had a lot of adrenaline flowing through my body and I didn't really know how, what outlet to use. And I don't know why I came up with a haiku, but I did. And you turned to poetry. Now the time is nigh. By tomorrow, you'll be gone. Fuck you, Larry Scott. Wow. And that's copywritten, so you can't use that, Terry. Well, I'll give you credit. Will you give it to us one more time? Yes. Now the time is nigh. By tomorrow, you'll be gone. Fuck you, Larry Scott. How long did that take you? It was wonderful. You got it. I was trying to. I was trying to. Be, I was trying to be like, it's not technically haiku, bro. You know, be real, like shitty writer friend of me. Yeah, but you know, no, you. I, I Wikipedia'd what a haiku was before I wrote that. <laughs> It took me longer than what I'd uh, I'd like to admit. It's great. Thanks. It's honestly great. It's an exceptional haiku. I appreciate a, that. A, a master. You should class. send it to Pac-12. I should. There was a lot of emotion that went into writing that. By the way. Yeah, I could I could feel it. I I really felt it. I'll I'll retweet it from the under reviews Twitter account. I yeah, will. you should. Just, yeah, that's I'm a legit it out right now. A sports lit mag. I think it's the greatest sports lit mag on the planet in my totally unbiased and objective opinion of Well, I can, uh, yeah, I'll validate that opinion. So <laughs> I'm not a design editor at all for it or anything either. No, so. Yeah, I have nothing to do with it. But yeah, <laughs> fucking Larry Scott, it's been such a shit show under that dude. So I'm just happy he's gone. 
And I don't need, you know, the type of, you know, business stuff that the conference commissioner is involved with is a bit above, you know, my head sometimes, but this, the fact that PAC 12 network is impossible to get almost anywhere you live. Uh, they're spending millions of dollars. They just have random offices in the fucking Bay area. Like not, I'm not, nothing against the Bay area. JP, no, no, l- let me tell you about that office though. I used to work right up the street from it. Mm-hmm. And I'd walk there like every day because I discovered a salad I like at a cafe in in the office space. <laughs> Wait, it's was a, Larry it Scott was a, making the salads? Because if it's not, this still ends in fuck Larry Scott. It was like a chicken <laughs> cob salad and it had bacon. So I was it I loved was it, it. called was it called the Larry Scott salad where it starts out really good and by the end it's just moldy lettuce? <laughs> Fucking, no, it's like you take burn. you take over you take over a delicious salad and then you just fuck <laughs> it up by the end. <laughs> do you really purchase a salad or you do do you inherit it and it's in kind of good shape and then you make a bunch of decisions that totally ruin it, like like putting, removing bacon, like and taking lettuce. the bacon out and putting like expired mayonnaise on it, <laughs> and then pouring a eleven year old Bud Light on top. All right. Well, this. <laughs> we're not roasting him as well as i hoped we were but hey larry don't let the door hit you on the way out buddy uh i hope no one ever hears from you or sees you again in the entire sporting public you are toxic and worthless peace the fuck out man later peace on to positive pac-12 football news q Andre Nicotina voice saying Fillmore, but it's not Fillmore this time. It's Dunmore. <laughs> John, I like that. John Dunmore Jr. Did somebody say Dunmore, John Dunmore Jr., a uh, a former top 120 player, top 20 wide receiver from the class of 2019, tr- officially. Transfers to Oregon State today from Penn State, a school that beat us in 2008 that I was in attendance for. Fuck you for that, Joe Paterno ass motherfuckers. Um, But yeah, this guy's ours. The latest of seven recent transfers, recent, you know, not awful transfers. Like we were used to be getting like guys from Juco that were unrated or like one stars that like had some kind of potential no disrespect to any of those guys, but it was hard to put a lot of hype behind any of those announcements. These are like dudes who are in like the top 100 of, you know, like Rivals magazines and you see on all kinds of lists and shit. Jay Smith's doing stuff, you guys, and this is just the latest. What excites you guys about Dunmore uh, specifically and all this this blitz of transfer news that we're struggling to keep up with? Uh, Dunmore transferring is is obviously amazing in its own right. And I think you, we could have an entire podcast on what our receiver receiving core is going to look like next year but but i think the the bigger picture is uh if you look at the reporters that that report on oregon state football it it seems uh like they're all in unison with the sentiment that's coming out of corvallis right now is that there's a sort of momentous tide that's shifting in terms of the recruiting i mean i can't remember the last time that oregon state had a, a recruiting class that was in the top half of the Pac-12. And it seems like that's becoming a much more of a realistic uh, chance that, that we're going to see that upcoming. It, it possibly could happen this year. I've heard that there's some more recruiting news uh, that's going to be coming out in the next couple of days. So, I mean, that that would be amazing. If we got into the top half of the Pac-12 recruiting class, that, that would be such a huge accomplishment for Jonathan Smith. I told you guys we're going for eight wins. You did. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think I'm even like, I'm officially predicting bowl eligibility now. And, you know, I was uh, on the, I, I was the negative Nancy on the first episode, but ah, it's, it's hard not to be hyped, you know? Well, and here's the deal. Like the, the receiving core is stacked. We have really a lot of depth at quarterback. I'll, I'm waiting to see who kind of comes out to be like the shining star of that entire group. But like adding Neuer as well really just gives us like a ton of options to see who is going to stick with all the personnel and, and and the scheme. But like I was actually really worried at the end of the season about like where our weapons were going to come from, especially knowing that Jamar was probably going to be gone. You know, still trying to be optimistic about everything. But, you know, we also lost like Colby Taylor, who I actually saw progress a ton at the end of the season. I was really excited about him as like even like a third option as a receiver. Yeah. 
um, just like like a hands guy he was just like was everything was sticking to him like glue and more power to him to do what he feels is right for him to retire but like it actually kind of bummed me out thinking man i thought that might be like a dark horse who would come up and do something i've always had a ton of hope for Lindsay and thinking like come on this guy was a four-star nebraska recruit like once he gonna shine as well but i think that collectively this entire group is going to be so hard to stop regardless of who's quarterback really regardless of our running game too the one thing that we noticed about smith is he can take a position group that has a ton of talent and utilize them in a variety of ways with his offense so i'm not worried about these guys getting their getting their receptions or their touches we're gonna see some pretty exciting plays across the entire wide receiver core this year and it's awesome that uh dunmore's made his move over to the west coast the pacific northwest and uh is immediately eligible so um i'm really really looking forward to the season i bought some gear today because of the excitement so i'm i'm all i'm all for it i'm ready that's how you know the excitement's real when you go to you know osu beaver Beaver store shop Yeah. yeah When they announced that uh, Dunmore was taking an official visit, I was like, it's a good sign that a player with this pedigree is interested in coming to Oregon State and playing for Coach Smith. But I was just thinking about the receiver room. I'm like, yo, there's only so many passes to to go around. And whatever Smith sold them on convinced them. And it's just even with without these transfers returning from last season, uh, you know, you have Trevon Bradford, who's been good for a long time, you know, Champ Flemings who has flashed just incredible playmaking ability. Zariah Beeson, who looked great in uh, a lot of action last year. And then Treshawn Harrison, who transferred in and played pretty fantastic. And then we add, you know, Micaiah Tung, John Dunmore Jr. I believe I'm missing one. Oh, Bolden. Bolden, yes. And uh, the list goes on and on. They, they moved, and, uh, and Tyshawn Lindsay, who's still a receiver, and they moved josiah irish from receiver to cornerback because irish you know he wasn't he wasn't fucking jerry rice out there but he he made some big plays for us uh as a receiver and on on special teams and it's just you're more valuable as a cornerback which is a testament to how strong that receiver room is and just you know the running game you mentioned it's not going to have jamar but bj baylor has been a solid runner for us uh, another transfer Deshaun fenwick could be a good yeah. player the thing that really makes me feel optimistic about the offense is the entire offensive line is returning so no matter if whether it's neuer nolan jebbia or you know even somebody else they don't need to worry about anything else they need to worry about being a competent quarterback and i think that takes a lot of pressure off of the quarterback position Hopefully Smith does a good job coaching whoever it is that's starting from day one as a quarterback himself. Uh, Just be like, hey, just go out there, play within yourself and let your offense win it for you. You don't need to be amazing. You don't need to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country or a Heisman candidate for Oregon State to win games anymore. In the past, that's what we were asking of quarterbacks in the last, you know, basically seven, eight years, you know, just go out there, make some good throws and and trust your playmakers. And it's, it's going to work out. And I'm not totally sold that our defense can make enough stops to be like a true, true contender. But man, these shootouts are going to be fun, you guys, because our offense is going to keep pace. And God, I'm just thinking about as a, I'm a receiver is my favorite position in all sports. (laughs) I'm like, I'm the dude who drafts wide receivers in fantasy football, you know, the first five rounds. Randy Moss. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Uh, Yeah, Randy Moss. I was a receiver in Pee Wee football. (laughs) <laughs> add jp to the room get him he's right he's right there coach Smith. he's in your backyard it's gonna be it's gonna be fun and i think this is the dunmore signing a guy who like every analysis of him includes projecting his nfl draft stock and not every prospect gets that and obviously there are lots of guys who they, they talk to that about you know for, former beaver receiver reuben jackson was a i think our only five-star transfer ever and that didn't pan out but it's still rare that someone is talked about with that kind of pedigree and then comes to corvallis to play ball in an already stacked position group so i have a question for you and, and it's alluding to that so 
do you guys think that our offense will look significantly different than last year? Because uh, Dunmore is obviously, I don't know the, the true reason why he's transferring, but one of the things that he has to be thinking about is, is, is his stock for the NFL draft, right? And so he's not going to transfer to a program where he doesn't think that he's going to be able to increase his targets from Penn State. And with the absolutely stacked receiving core that we already had, that doesn't seem very obvious to me. So it's to me, it seems like Smith had to have pitched him on like running five receiver wide sets or, or something of that nature. Yeah, presumably I would assume so. Like, well, I mean, if, if it's our most talented group on the field, Smith's going to capitalize on that. I think that's really what he's shown about being dynamic on offense is he'll take our weaknesses and hide them and then double down on where our strengths are and just kind of like let it ride throughout uh, the course of a handful of games. I mean, like you, you look at Jefferson last year and like he just ran it at people's throats over and over and over again. And like we said in like one of our earlier episodes, that teams were anticipating that was happening and still couldn't stop it. I think that he probably sold them on like, hey, we've got a strong core. It's going to open up single coverage for you and you're going to, we're going to get a quarterback that's going to get you the ball and it's going to look good for you uh, as you look for, to take your game to the next level. Yeah. yeah, I think the offense has been pretty run heavy the last couple of seasons because Jamar Jefferson was clearly the best player on our team and in several instances the best football player on the field i can't get over watching that oregon tape enough because seeing someone just running all over those puke yellow jerseys is you know just a sight, <laughs> a sight for sore eyes uh, i think smith is pretty adaptable though and i think he does recognize that this will be the biggest strength and we haven't talked about the tight ends yet and it's you have musgrave and you have uh quatoriano and you know they've played a lot of football you know they, they can block and they they can catch and I, this this the strength of this offense will be in the passing game. I think BJ Baylor is a good running back. He's not an all American running back. He's not, he's not the type of guy who can turn it. If you give Jefferson the ball on your own 12 yard line, he could take it to the house and Baylor is good and you can lean on him. And I think he's going to be used in maybe similar ways. to like how uh, Riley used Ev Bernard back in the day where it's just, you know, He's, you know, you're between the hash marks guy. He's not going to get thrown for a loss too often. He's a really smart runner and he can be really useful. But if we're going to blow games wide open and we're going to get to bowl eligibility and beyond and actually, you know, run past a bunch of these teams, you know, these guys who are transferring from these programs that are big time athletes, that they are the receivers, you know, Treshawn Harrison was a huge get for us. And now it's almost like no one's talking about him because of the other transfers that have happened. <laughs> and he didn't get to, he was, he wasn't eligible until December last year. So we only got to play a couple of games, but he could be the best player by a long shot. And like Dunmore could be the afterthought. Tongan could be the afterthought. And, you know, F Flemings could break out again. And, you know, Bradford's been the best receiver that this program has had collectively over like the last three years combined. It's just an embarrassment of riches, it feels like. It will be interesting to, to watch because I, I can't remember the last time that Oregon State had a truly like high powered offense without the most dynamic player or one of the top two most dynamic players being the running back, whether it was, you know, Simonton or uh, Rogers or Ev or Jamar, like it, there was always a running back that was at the core of that. And we don't seem to have that this year. So I think that our offense is going to look significantly different than what Beaver nation is used to. Yeah. It's going to be dope. Well, this, since we've, we've mentioned so many of great current Oregon state receivers, as we've all you know, talked about, it's one of our favorite positions. And also it's one that Oregon State's been pretty good at historically. So while we're talking about current Oregon State receivers, let's have a quick transition to past Oregon State receivers. And let's all mention a, we don't have to say the favorite, but a favorite former Oregon State receiver. JP, why don't we start with you? I think the obvious choice is always Mike Hass. <laughs> but that's not my choice. You just had to mention Mike Hass so that we can play the Mike Hass yeah, song. Exactly. My favorite receiver for a variety of reasons. Okay, can I split this all up? This is too difficult of a question. My favorite receiver. <laughs> it's a pretty simple question, but make it as difficult as you want, homie. <laughs> my favorite receiver off the field and in person was Ruben Jackson. And Rubes was the coolest dude you could ever run into walking around Corvallis or hanging out with that tailgaters or some house party. He was awesome. Such a chill dude. Then my other favorite, also not really because of anything on the field, was Anthony Wheat Brown. 
because when you play NCAA football, that guy got so good if you did, like, you took over the Oregon State team and ran them through whatever that mode was. It was dynasty mode, right? And, yeah. and didn't, didn't you have friends from your hometown that thought that he was, like, a fake player that people made up? Yes, they did. And, like, they, it, was like a, it was like a running joke that if something seemed like somebody was lying, they would be like, Anthony Wheat Brown. They would just, like, say that because <laughs> they thought he was fake. Uh, because he was so good in NCAA in 20, 2005 and <laughs> in in real life. One time I saw Anthony Wee Brown walk out of the uh, MU doors and he, he just walks out. He's like in some slides and sweats and like no backpack or anything's in the middle of the day, <laughs> a, school, a school day. He's just getting that Panda Express, man. <laughs> and he's just singing to himself, don't you uh, wish your girlfriend was hot like me, but he replaced girlfriend with boyfriend and he just was just living his life. And I thought at that point, I want to be that guy. When I'm a sophomore, I'm going to be Anthony Wee Brown. <laughs> when I'm a sophomore. <laughs> Was he, did he have headphones in? Like, was he, he wasn't listening no. to the song. He was just singing. He was just singing it, yeah. By himself. Yeah. Walking out of the MU, don't you wish your boyfriend was hot like me? Yeah. I, th- I think a lot of people do, Anthony, if, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> if we ever get Anthony Wheat Brown or Ruben Jackson on the pod, we, we've made it. That's the end of the long-term. Agreed. Agreed. (laughs) All right. So JP just mentioned everyone who's ever played receiver for Oregon State. (laughs) Benny, if anyone's left. uh, (laughs) Yeah. I have your favorite pass catchers. So the, the first would be uh, Chad Johnson or or Ocho Cinco. And the reason obviously he was really good and went on to the uh, play in the NFL and it was really good there. But so my dad went to Oregon state. So I grew up a Beaver fan and I I didn't suffer through all 28 losing seasons, but I suffered through a number of those losing seasons. We are are that old. Yeah. Right. So then to see that team not make a bowl game, then we get to uh, the Hawaii bowl and that was really exciting. And then it was like the year after that, uh, all of a sudden we're we should have played in the national championship game that year and to watch chad johnson d- destroy all the pac-10 uh but then come in and and single-handedly destroy notre dame in the fiesta bowl it was all that pent up disappointment being able to come out in in sort of one game to to watch him play in that fiesta bowl game so Chad Johnson for sure. And then the other was, was Sammy Strotter. And uh, I really like Sammy. Sammy. Yeah. Cause Sammy. So yeah. he was there when, uh, when, when we all went to school and I just remember like it was pretty publicized that he was dealing with mental health issues. And, and so to me, it was always so exciting to see him return kicks and, and, and bring them back to the house just cause you know that there was all that extra pressure on him to, to do exactly that. And he did it so often that uh, you would think the pressure would, would, would not be there, but it certainly was. And, and so that was really, really cool to see. Yeah, and the energy at Reeser when he'd be sitting back there waiting for a punt, obviously he felt all of that yeah. weighing on him and still right. was like just – if he, he could shake the entire defense and all the pressure from Reeser Stadium and still take it to the house at a ridiculous rate. Honestly, it was expected at a certain point yeah. that if they actually kicked the ball to Sammy, he was taking it Which back. Was dumb. He, he is He is the only – player in Oregon state history that I can remember people chanting his name. Yeah. Like on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah. That was fun. Yeah, it was. I'm, I'm not ever going to say that there is a negative to beating USC when they were number one in the country in 2008, but we dealt with this in the last episode that the, the belligerent babes didn't remember that 2006 game against when USC was number three. Yep. And Sammy was un fucking believable in that whole game he didn't score a receiving touchdown but he made so many incredible catches while being double teamed Evanson Bernard was out that game you know they had the athletes to neutralize Joe Newton a little bit but Newton you know he still got loose a little bit but we were going to Sammy every time uh, when we needed a big play and it was amazing. And then also when we're up 23 to 10 in the third quarter, you can't, you can't, you can find this on YouTube. It's grainy as fuck. It pisses me off. I don't think HD came around until 08. Cause when you watch <laughs> highlights of the 2006 season, it looks like it's from like 1989. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks like, like it's, 
an old ESPN classic tape filtered through another ESPN classic tape. But he had this incredible punt return that puts us up 30 to 10. And that was, you know, that was my first, that was my freshman year. That was the first uh, experience I really had as a Beaver fan. And the seven games before that were really up and down. I think we were four and three at that point. People were calling for Riley's head. They were calling for Matt Moore to be benched for Canfield. And he had the most electrifying 60 yard return that put us up 30 to 10 on USC. And we needed every bit of that because we ended up winning 33-31. Got <laughs> out of there with the skin of our teeth. But good God, that game was fun. And yeah, everything you said about him, you know, he was just a, a joy to watch. Um, so you guys haven't left a, a, a lot for for me. But thankfully, we it's a you know a position that we've been rich with. Uh, a lot of times, I'm asked who my favorite Beavers are, and Sammy Strader always always comes up because of everything we just talked about. Another one that comes up, a it sounds boring, but Brandon Cooks, like his 2013 season, it's not only one of the best seasons in Oregon State football history. It's one of the best seasons in college football history. He had like 135 receptions, ran away with the Bolitnikoff Award in a year that I, I believe, I think Mike Evans finished second. <laughs> and <laughs> unfortunately, Cooks has had kind of a weird NFL career. We, he's been traded a lot, but he's still played pretty well most of where he's been, but just, you know, concussion issues and everything. And hey, gotta mention my boy, James Rogers. That was yeah. some of the most fun fly sweeps ever that, uh, uh, that, that fly sweep in double overtime at Otson in 07, where uh, I think it's Patrick Chung who uh, who whiffed on on uh, the little dead leg he gives right around the corner. It was a subtle move, but I remember watching that game from a bar in Portland. I was with Ehoy and his family. Uh, we thought about going to the game, but couldn't get tickets, so we went to Portland instead. It was at Otson, and that was at the point where you know it had been over a decade where the, the home team had won every game, and we ended that streak, and we don't need to talk about any of the organizations and Oregon State games that happened the next, you know, six or seven years after <laughs> or longer. But that, that was such an incredible moment. And uh, James was unreal. Also, one of the nicer guys you'll ever meet in your life. And it was just like, I remember them, him just being on the field with that five foot six frame of his and being so tiny. It's like that scene in Rudy where he runs out for the first time and John Favreau's in the stands and just yells, he's so little. <laughs> it was like that everything was on the field, but he was so good. He was such a smart player too. He was such a great route runner and just seemed to always make plays. And when the ball was in his hands, it was just magical. So yeah, so I'll say I'll say B Cooks and uh, and James Rogers for, for my two. Speaking of the Rogers brothers, I mean, with all the NIL news, today for college athletes uh did anyone catch quizzes tweet to james no so it's a it's a gif of a man holding a stack of cash like a phone and then another huge stack of cash over and around the top of his head and he says to james this would have been a live look of us walking into impulse or peacock after the game (laughs) hey quiz i love you to death but aim higher (laughs) i understand like yeah impulse or peacock that's the best corvallis can offer but yeah, if if you guys were taking home stacks of cash, I think you would have been riding party buses <laughs> to more exciting bars and more exciting towns. <laughs> Probably not playing at Oregon State at all, but <laughs> I just thought we would have made it rain at Impulse as as if they weren't the shit at Impulse already. <laughs> That's true, exactly. You guys didn't need the cash. Yeah, I don't know if anyone, if they ever paid for a drink <laughs> at Impulse the entire time. Oh, man. Well, speaking of, <laughs> we've spent a lot of time on football tonight, but hey, we got to. More former Beaver news. You guys, arguably the best running back in Oregon State history, Steven Jackson got married. Yeah. We, know we, we first saw this because of a, uh, Evanson Bernard's Instagram. And I just thought it was so awesome that Evanson Bernard was at Stephen Jackson's wedding. And there is no evidence to uh, support this, but I just imagined every single Beaver running back ever was at Stephen Jackson's wedding. <laughs> it's so true. And I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fun little fraternity, you know, it's hasn't always been the, the most exciting football team in the world or the most successful, but we've seemed to always have good running backs, you know, from Steven to Ev to quiz to Jermar. I think 
you know, Artavis Pierce was great. Ryan Nall was great. Wrecking Nall. They're both on the yes. Chicago Bears right now, which just beats me to shit. But <laughs> Storm Bar Woods. Storm Storm Woods. Uh, for, oh, I forgot about Storm Woods. Storm Woods. Every single this was I don't know why I only texted this to Weehage, but when Storm Woods was on the Beavers, every single time he scored a touchdown, I texted only Weehage the words Storm's a Bruin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I don't know why that was just a me and Weehage thing. I should have sent it to our whole thread, but I don't know. I think I just did it one time, and then I kept doing it. Also, I don't think Ward. I don't think we had a thread at that point. We were still using Nokia phones. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> we no 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 so. you. <laughs> <laughs> I might have still been Team Blackberry at that point with a trackpad that only scrolled side to side and not up and down. So that's how I could get to Weehage. Uh, but also shout out to Ron Ward who had all. Also had a nice yeah. little NFL career after that. I had one class with Teron Ward. Nice guy. Yeah. The only, thing, the only negative thing I can say about Teron Ward is his brother TJ played for Oregon. And, you know, I'm going to say that's not Teron's fault. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to say all those guys were at Steven Jackson's wedding and it was just a beaver running back jubilation. And just congrats to, to Steve Jack. I, I loved seeing that on Instagram. I wasn't expecting it, but I. Yeah. And, and his it. wife, Asia Jackson now. Congratulations, sure. Mrs. Jackson. Sorry, Miss Jackson. Woo! <laughs> Man, that's... She's Mrs. 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 Jackson. Yeah. Sorry. So, sorry, Mrs. Jackson, for calling you Miss Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> this is the whitest moment in the history of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. I wish... I that, I feel like I kind of missed out because I feel like in terms of talent and just sort of, you know, on-field accomplishment that... Steven Jackson was probably the most dominant or just best Oregon state football player, maybe in the program's history, like for to you to be even at that point, running backs were still getting drafted in the first round a lot, but like in Minneapolis, like I knew everything about that dude and because of how fucking good he was. And that was not something that was happening for most Oregon state football players, you know, in the early two thousands. And he wasn't the man on that Fiesta bowl team. You know, he played on some teams that were bowl eligible, but not the iconic team. So my biggest takeaway from Steven Jackson's wedding is that Ken Simonton got a dad bod as fuck. He does not look like a running back, but he is my favorite. I, I think he might be my favorite Oregon state. Wait, football so si- Simonton was there. Steven Jackson was there. And and Ev were there. That's fucking awesome. Don't be hating on Simonton's bod. You know what? Right. He's got that like East Bay OG, for <laughs> California OG look. You know, he's rocking it. Good on you, Ken. Good he's in you. his 40s now. He can do whatever the fuck he wants, Benny. Hey, you can't, you can't hate him. Just because Simonton doesn't wear a 16-pound weighted vest around <laughs> his house every day. I'm not hating on him. I think that he should be able to do whatever he wants. But I'm just saying that if I looked at him, he would not. I would not have imagined that he played in a BCS bowl game as a starting running back. Especially because he was a <laughs> tiny running back. Then he too. was a tiny running back. Like he TJ Duckett, he was not. No. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys had been invited to Steven Jackson's wedding, what would you have brought as a gift? JP, let's start with you. I went back and forth with this for a while. Would I bring Dennis Erickson or <laughs> <laughs> with like a bow on his head? Or would I just bring like a nice cutout of the old orange end zone? from old research stadium turf something that's a little more thoughtful than just bringing an ex-coach like a fondue set or some other registry item i actually i I asked my wife the same question (laughs) in preparation of of this uh segment and she said a football (laughs) It's like, because he played football. Do you remember that, Steven? <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure he's got plenty of footballs. He doesn't need one for his wedding. <laughs> I, I, vote, I vote Erickson. I think that'd be funnier. Is, so is Erickson wrapped or is he just, he just has a bow on his head? He just has a bow on his head. And he looks confused. But is he, and... he's, he's sitting like on the gift table. He's not like walking around with you or anything. No, like no, he's no. I'd have, sitting... my, I'd have my arm around him and I'd walk up to says jackson be like hey man this this for you congratulations do whatever you want with him i don't care (laughs) just keep him away from the open bar right (laughs) 
Betty, what about you, man? Man, I don't know. That's tough. Uh, and that's that's tough to follow up. Um, I don't know. Maybe I was going to say bring, <laughs> Derek Anders, bring, bring Derek Anderson's ex-girlfriend, Sarah about, Jean Underwood. But um, <laughs> that's not- I love how you guys are bringing people who weren't invited to the wedding. <laughs> As two people who have been married before and gone through weddings, I don't think you'd be thrilled <laughs> to have someone not on the guest list showed up. As, this is your gift. Yeah, he needs what he needs a hundred fifty dollar plate dinner. <laughs> just yeah, just add add a chair to the you know wedding party table. He'll sit there. It's fine. So you didn't think about this at all, and JP clearly thought about it too much. Yeah. Um, I I just remember from uh when the Falcons were on Hard Knocks. It was the end of Stephen Jackson's career, and he was uh, on the Falcons at that point. And he opened, it was, it was temporary, but he opened his own art gallery in Atlanta. And I think that was a, a very, you know, like big passion of his for, you know, his his post-football days. So I would probably do some like framed modern art. I would maybe steal something now that JP's talked and like get that old, ugly research stadium turf and like incorporate it into a painting or a frame job somehow and give him give him that or some something artistic you know he's not going to give it stealing jp's idea no i was doing something i said painting at first i i all right i'd make my own goddamn painting and it would be terrible because that's (laughs) that's not a form i work in at all or have any talent it's a thought that counts it's the thought that counts i'd be like steven it's abstract like the abstract art that whatever um he's not going to open it when i'm there whatever i don't have to give an explanation I would give him the gift of art. Fuck you guys. (laughs) I thought this question was going to be lighthearted and full of laughs. And now we're just judging each other. Let's move on. God damn it. Well, before we do that, I am clearly the best gift giver of the bebes. You're good. You're good. I am the giving tree of the bebes. All right. Well, settled. Steven Jackson is really grateful for your fictional gifts. (laughs) (laughs) On that same note, which former Beaver football player or current Beaver football player, uh, but I think we'll all go with a former Beaver football player, of everyone who's ever played football for Oregon State University, which one would make the best wedding guest? You've both lived through the thrill of a wedding. I have yet to do so, but you know a lot about putting a guest list together and who makes a great wedding guest of everyone who has played football for your favorite college team, who do you think would make the most fun wedding guest? I thought I had an answer, but after I heard about Anthony Wheat Brown singing, don't you wish your boyfriend was hot like me to himself, I think I'm changing my answer, but I want to hear from the guys who have actually been married first. JP, you go. Look, you want people who get the crowd excited at your wedding so it would definitely be chad ocho cinco johnson there's only one answer for this yeah are you kidding me chad chad i know you're listening yeah i know you're listening and i'm sorry i didn't invite you to my wedding but i should (laughs) have it would have been a hell of a time i think at that point you were tweeting a lot but and, and probably very busy doing that but yeah you need some people that make the crowd want to cheer dance laugh i think chad checks all those boxes so he's the right answer benny you're saying the same thing yeah there's only one answer for that that's chad johnson plain and simple i'm, I'm gonna th- i'm gonna throw some other names out here uh, i remember being at lake shasta and being on the beach at slaughterhouse island shout out shasta weekend if that's still happening for oregon state students every year i'll all I can say, good luck and be safe. Uh, but it was, it was a great weekend. <laughs> One year I'll always remember is all the boats are parked at this in this party cove and a football is flying off of one of the boats and being thrown back to the boat. And then it's coming back to a different person on the beach and everyone's going crazy. And I'm like, what? Like, what is this? So I go over and I see who's doing it. And at the top of this boat is Lyle Moivau just gunning footballs into the party <laughs> on the beach catching them back and then just throwing them. And then at one point I just go Lyle and he kind of sees me and then he just points and then just throws me a a dart. And I'm like, it's in the air. And I'm like, I have to catch this football. (laughs) Nothing in my life has mattered more. And I did catch it. I don't think it was that clean or that nice. And I'm sure my pass back to him wasn't that pretty, but I did catch it. And I just remember thinking like, Lyle's a good dude. And I I had a couple other, you know, meetings with Lyle, brief ones, but that made me seem like he, he, he knew what's up. He would be great um, a little bit after our time, but cornerback Steven Nelson talked a lot of shit. I think he'd be really fun. 
Um, <laughs> I have a photo of uh, myself, Lyle, and Sean Canfield trying to hijack the DJ booth at Tailgaters, um, drinking, <laughs> drinking, <laughs> drinking 40s when they did like uh, $5. So, yeah, 40s. so Lyle would hijack the DJ booth at your wedding. What an incredible story yeah. to, to start your nuptials. You know, I have to say, uh, Lyle is up there with one of my favorite beavers. He's, he's not my favorite beaver, but he is the culprit of my favorite beaver play uh, when they were playing the University of Washington. Was it an end around that ha- yeah. happened? I know exactly. And what he just about. fucking leveled the D end on, on Washington. Gra- I mean, Grayson Gunheim. Like, Grayson Gunheim. He was their best D end that year. It was unbelievable. It was, might be the best block I've ever seen. And it was by a quarterback. And then and he, he stayed upright. Flexed, and he yeah. just flexed after. <laughs> it was, it was, so it was one of those end arounds of James. And I think James got like four yards on it. And it was like third down and we didn't get the first and he was so flexing, which makes it even better. But all, like Ruben Jackson's not making your like, he's not pushing Ocho for the number one invite. No, because no, Rubes was just chill. He wasn't like trying to be the center. Yeah, of well, you know, he just, he enjoyed a good party, but you know, he wasn't trying to get people to go crazy. I get, so like, this is like relative where it's like, if, if Ocho Cinco's at your wedding, that's going to be like what people talk about. But like, do you want to get upstaged by the biggest celebrity that the program has? Or do you want someone who's just like gonna, you know, when the dance floor is a little stoic or, you know, after the initial blitz of people dancing, it slows down a little bit. You need someone to be there and reignite the fucking party. I, I Don't you gonna do that? Or is he, yeah, or is he, you know, just signing autographs at the bar? I don't know. I feel like Ocho he would be, be like in a pink suit, smoking <laughs> a cigar and wearing a huge gold chain, just going nuts the whole time. It would be mm-hmm. like he became Ocho Cinco became sort of the showman of the NFL for like five years. It would be it would be dumb not to pick Ocho Cinco, but. Uh, if Ocho didn't go to OSU, there are plenty of other good options for sure. Yeah, no, you I remember do. early in the Twitter days, like Ocho would take people out like on party buses. He like he wasn't even drinking. <laughs> he would just like pick up random people from Twitter and oh, take yeah, them on drink. a party bus <laughs> yeah. and load it up with alcohol. Like and just <laughs> go rage in like Miami right. or wherever he was, Cincinnati somewhere. So, <laughs> Uh, he knows he knows how to have a good party, and I think he I think he wouldn't like try to overshadow the bride and groom because he wouldn't be drunk and disorderly. He would just be calculated and, and hilarious. Himself, yeah. yeah, and That's I true. do have to give an honorable mention in this category to another Oregon State wide receiver. I love there's just so many of them, uh, but none other than Marcus Wheaton, who was at our friend Aaron Stevens's wedding. We actually did share a wedding uh, with, with Marcus <laughs> and he was super couldn't be a nicer guy, had the dopest outfit of anyone at this wedding, was really fun to be around. And at the end of the night, our, our group of friends, you know, we were there. We we're at Oregon State from, you know, the, the mid to late aughts. So Soldier Boy was a big part of our collegiate experience. So at Aaron and Mari's wedding, Soldier Boy, of course, plays. And we, 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 I say we, but mostly me, have to do the dance as, you know, intense and serious as possible. And after the the song finished, I believe it was the last song of the dance party. The dust is settling. We're trying to find, you know, rides back to our various accommodations. Wheaton came up to me and said, man, that was a mean Soldier Boy. (laughs) <laughs> I and remember Terry's that. heart just melted my heart yes. melted i will remember that moment <laughs> for the rest of my life if i ever get married and t- and take that step that will forever still be my favorite wedding moment <laughs> <laughs> sorry future wife <laughs> just I, I won't get married but no no it won't be my favorite but it'll it'll still probably be top five uh yeah shout out <laughs> shout out Aaron and Mari, their uh, anniversary is tomorrow. Their fourth. Oh, yeah. So oh, it was nice. four years ago tomorrow in uh, in beautiful wine country. And that freshly painted dance floor, JP, that ended up on our on our suits. Because I slipped <laughs> and, on and, it and, 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 and it literally. Whole, I didn't even slip back. Yeah. Do you, Betty, do you remember um, the late 90s Mentos commercial where a dude in a suit sits down on a bench and the pattern <laughs> yeah. of the bench is like freshly painted? So he has really thick pinstripes. So what he ends yep. up doing is he just rolls on the bench to make it even. That like JP was the realistic version of that. <laughs> was it just a thick pinstripe no, on the it was back? On, it was on a farm in the middle of wine country. So there was this 
big ass plank of wood that had to have been painted the day before <laughs> or, or something like that. And it was all over like my shoes and shit and like the cuffs of my pants. And at the end of the night, JP slipped because like everyone had been spilling drinks and it was really slick. <laughs> this beautiful blue groomsman suit that Stevens had picked out that looked so great on all of us was just like, it was like a tie-dye white <laughs> yeah <laughs> my, like it was insane it looked like i had a cloud pattern all up and down the back it kind of looked good it, it looked cool like it looked like there was a pattern but not <laughs> it, luckily it was like 11 o'clock and then things were winding down but i do remember was... i remember looking up from the bottom of the dance floor being like oh no because everyone kind of knew like, oh, shoot, the like the paint's getting on my shoes. I'm like, then I'm laying in it. Right. And everyone on the dance floor is looking at me. And you're trying to get up and you're like flopping over. So now it's on the front of the suit. And like, let's not forget that everyone knew that we had our, our six month old with us at the wedding. So they're like, who is this irresponsible father falling on the dance floor, getting covered no in white paint? No one thought that. No one thought that. Let's be real. Marcus, we uh, did. No, no. He <laughs> he was, Marcus was too focused on my soldier boy. So I bailed you out there, buddy. Um, yeah, that was, that was a good time. Was the suit salvageable? Oh yeah, it was totally clean. It's totally clean. Right. I wear all the time. Well, not all the time. I don't really wear suits ever. But yeah, I, I can't remember. When I do I wear a suit, suit. Yeah. I wear that one. <laughs> it still works. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, we didn't get through all of the bullet points and there is even stuff we left off of these bullet points, but I think it's time to call it an episode. Maybe we'll be a little bit more frequent through the rest of the summer. There's a lot of stuff to get through and it's exciting. There's a lot of transfer news. There's a lot of baseball stuff. Um, we didn't get to any of the Olympic news tonight and don't worry listeners, we're going to get to that. We want to spread as much love as we can to those athletes who are going to go over to Tokyo. I'm going to try to get our dear friend and up until recently, a longtime Tokyo resident, Eric Hoy on the pod to uh, talk a little bit about the city of Tokyo and then we can break down uh, the Olympics and the Oregon State flavor that's uh, headed to Tokyo for the Olympics. It's going to be very exciting. Uh, a lot of Oregon State programs, especially gymnastics, heavily represented. It's a very exciting time for them and we'll, there'll be a lot to tune in for. Especially, gymnastics is one of my favorite summer Olympic uh, events to tune into. It's amazing. So exciting time to be a beaver, you guys. It's a great day to be a beaver. Always. Done more. Chop them. Chop them and chop them. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Peace. Go Beeves.